Hello, and welcome to the Shingo Principles Podcast, the podcast for those interested in building a culture of continuous improvement and sustainable organizational excellence. I'm your host, Mary Price, with the Shingo Institute, a program in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. The Shingo Principles Podcast is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with thought leaders and practitioners around the world experienced in transforming cultures using principles, systems, and tools. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. In this episode of the Shingle Principles podcast, we hear from Jackie Francis Walker, burnout expert and psychotherapist, as well as Adrian Healy and Lisa Riley from the Manufacturing Institute, a Shingo licensed affiliate, on why the Shingo guiding principles can help you prevent organizational burnout. They explain how culture can make or break any business, and by changing the workplace culture, you can turn a toxic business into an employee magnet. However, there is a key ingredient, leadership. The habits of great leadership always set the tone. Above all, leadership behaviors, integrity, and engagement are critical to finding a way to prevent business burnout. Welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Mary Price. I'm the events and marketing manager at the Shingo Institute at Utah State University. I'm pleased to have Lisa Riley and Adrian Healy with us today from the Manufacturing Institute. They've been a Shingo licensed affiliate since 2008, and they're based in the UK. If you haven't had a chance to read the article TMI wrote about the topic we're discussing today, I would encourage you to go to our website, it's shingo.org, click the media tab and select the blog, and you'll find the article there. And with that, Lisa, I'm going to turn the time over to you now to introduce our special guest for the day. Thank you, Mary, for that really nice introduction. I appreciate it. My name is Lisa Riley. I'm the Executive Director at the Manufacturing Institute. We were established in Trafford Park, Greater Manchester in 1994 by an alliance of quite high-profile manufacturers from the area, including people like Rolls-Royce and uh, obviously Kellogg's. And uh, their aim was to improve knowledge, learning, understanding, collaboration within the sector, and that still holds true today. Being a trading provider, we talk a lot at the Manufacturing Institute about what good looks like, and we benchmark the good, the bad, and the ugly, but we maybe don't always articulate it as burnt out or burnout. So, for example, a process or a strategy is burnt out or even an old piece of, of, of equipment. We recognise that there's nice alignment with the Shingo guiding principles. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Jackie Francis Walker, aka the UK Burnout Queen. Jackie's a registered psychotherapist, coach and writer and trainer. She's worked with thousands of successful uh, professionals over a 25-year period and is regularly featured as an expert source in national and global press. And she's going to talk about what burnout looks like in an organisation. And if you're familiar with the Shingo guiding principles, you'll see the positive alignment and why the framework presents a perfect tool to banish burnout. Thank you. Over to you, Jackie. Thank you very much, Lisa. Okay, so why the Shingo principles can help prevent organisational burnout. First, I want to show you um, the typical graphic, which is a stress curve. It's used a lot and it's a really helpful model for understanding how an increase in pressure on individuals uh, across the whole company environment can affect 
their performance. If there's not enough pressure, then people will find themselves in the bore-out zone, which means they're demotivated, there's a lack of interest, and they basically switch off and tune out. Jackie, if I may interrupt you for just a moment, let me describe the stress curve image you're referencing to our listeners. Imagine you're looking at a drawing of a hill on a graph. You have an upward slope, a peak, and then a downward slope. On your horizontal axis, you have pressure. On your vertical axis, you have performance from low to high. Your hill's divided up into equal sections. Starting from your left, you have the bore-out zone, which is low pressure. As you climb your hill, you enter your comfort zone, which is moderate pressure. Then you enter the stretch zone, which is your optimal performance, and it's at the peak of your curve. This will be referred to as your green zone. As your heel begins to decline, you enter the strain zone, which is high pressure and is referred to as the yellow area. And then the burnout zone, which is very high pressure and it's your red zone. The zone of delusion is somewhere off up into the upper right corner all alone. Hopefully that gives you a visual. Now back to you, Jackie, to describe it in more detail. The optimal zone for people to be working in is this green zone where people are in their comfort zone with a moderate amount of pressure or in their stretch zone where there's a higher amount of pressure but not too much. So in the stretch zone, people are perhaps having to work out something new or they're trying uh, to solve a problem they haven't come across before. They're curious, uh, they're engaged and uh, there's excitement and a sense of achievement. This is where we want to keep people as much as we can. If the pressure continues at too high a level or for too long a period or without people being able to take time to reboot and recharge, then they get pushed over into the strain zone, which is this yellow one here. And you can see how quickly performance drops off once people enter this particular zone. And if they're in the strain zone for too long, then they will enter the burnout zone, at which it becomes very difficult to function effectively. And the reason for that is that the body produces a range of stress hormones, the adrenal glands uh, produce them, and the body and the brain use them in managing the everyday challenges of their work. If we use up those stress hormones quicker than the body can replenish them, then we start to go below critical mass in the adrenal reservoir and then the body and the brain cannot operate in the way that it needs to and we enter burnout. So for me, that's the main difference between stress and burnout. We no longer have a reservoir to help us bounce back. We have to fill it first. I love this particular zone up here, the zone of delusion, because it's quite common to come across people who enter into this or even operate out of this. Basically, the zone of delusion, uh, and I've been in it too, is uh, it says that sometimes we just feel so invincible, so on top of our game, that we don't believe that it's possible for us to enter burnout. And I'm sorry to say that with a few exceptions, most of us have our breaking point when it comes to being in the strain zone, using up our adrenal reservoir. And there's not that many people who aren't actually susceptible to entering burnout. It is also possible for there to be a zone of delusion in some companies, unenlightened companies, where they believe that if you keep putting pressure on your employees, you can somehow stretch the stretch zone so they can keep producing more and more output. 
that isn't possible. That's not realistic. All you're going to do is push people into the strain zone and ultimately into burnout. So what does burnout look like in business? Well, you can see on the right-hand side there, Professor Christina Maslach, who um, has researched and created the gold standard inventory, the Maslach Burnout Inventory. And it measures three dimensions in the development of burnout within business, within workers. The first dimension is a growing sense of ineffectiveness where people find that they're taking longer to do the same tasks or they're making more mistakes, they're less satisfied with the quality of what they're doing or they even feel that what they're doing has lost meaning. The second dimension is cynicism and this describes the, the typical process when people are stressed and burnt out that they start to withdraw, they start to shut down, they lose access to their sense, uh, to, their, to their normal supports that keep them functioning and they don't reach out for help. Instead, they're more likely to be cynical about the chances of things changing for the better and they get stuck into a bit of a rabbit-in-the-headlights place. The third dimension is exhaustion and with burnout, because of the depletion of the adrenal reservoir, there is a prevailing sense of exhaustion. No matter how much rest you get, no matter how much sleep you get, the body is exhausted and the brain is exhausted. So the MBI can measure people against those three dimensions and can be a very helpful indicator of where they are with burnout. Some facts which came out of the Gallup report in 2018 and also in 2020 76% of people experience burnout at least sometimes. Now, I think that is an astonishingly high number of people to report burnout. 63% of burnt out employees are more likely to take a sick day and they're more likely, 2.6 times as more likely, to leave the company altogether. That clearly has a huge impact on any organisation's bottom line, but also it's going to have a huge impact upon the culture within the organisation and the, the sense of well-being as a whole throughout individuals, teams and the organisation. Now, the two lower statistics are probably less easy to spot. You can probably measure the first three, but the two lower ones, they're better measured by something like the MBI because 13% of people report having lower confidence in their performance. That'll be the effectiveness dimension. And 50%, which is again a stunning number, are less likely to, to discuss with their manager how they can approach reaching their performance goals they are also less likely to say, I'm struggling, I need help. And that is, um, that's going to be the, the cynicism dimension where people shut down and step back and switch off. So if a manager isn't able to spot that people have got less confidence and that um, they're closing down about the fact that they might be struggling with their performance goals, that again could have quite an impact uh, on the organisation as well as the output. A couple of quotes here. Employee burnout can trigger a downward spiral in individual and organisational performance. So what Gallup is saying is uh, don't only look to the individual. It's not just their problem. It affects the organisation too. So the organisation needs to have a stake in it. And the Stanford Social Innovation Review uh, is saying instead of pressuring already stressed individuals to fix themselves, true wellness requires organisation level interventions. So again, the organisation has a stake in it. Now, Gallup, when they did their review, they found that five factors 
came to the top where employees were saying these are the things that make the most difference to us in terms of reducing our sense of burnout. So these are really important for leaders to focus on. And it's unfair treatment, an unmanageable workload, a lack of role clarity, a lack of communication and support and unreasonable time pressure. If you can fix these, then you're probably well on the way to a healthier organisation. So if we now go over to the Shingo guiding principles, which I think uh, provides a really good framework for addressing burnout in an organisation, the eight principles are to respect every individual, to lead with humility, seek perfection, embrace scientific thinking, focus on process, assure quality at the source, improve flow and pull and to think systemically. And we're going to look at a couple of those in the rest of the presentation. When I map the five factors that Gallup um, came out with over to the Shingo principles, you can see that there's four of the principles that are particularly coming out as being the leading ones to focus on for these. And that's respecting people, leading with humility, focusing on process and seeking perfection. So, okay, so let's go over to leading with humility, one of the Shingo guiding principles. And it's been called the linchpin to preventing burnout. It's actually really important and it can affect the entire company culture. And I'm sure it's no surprise that leading practitioners of enterprise excellence, they do this automatically. They know how to do it or they instinctively know how to do it or they've learned how to do it through Shingo. So what does it look like leading with humility? Well, the first thing I need to say is leaders are there, the senior team are there in order to uh, provide a vision for the whole of the organisation. And that's really crucial. And one of the visions that you can provide is about the concept of leading with humility, because everyone at every level can adopt this particular behaviour. But it's really important that the senior team not only shares the vision about humility in action, but they actually walk their talk and do it themselves too. Uh, that's the way to get it uh, embedded across the whole of the organisation's culture. So what we mean by leading with humility is the leader's willingness not only to have a clear um, view themselves of where they want the company to go and what they want to do to get there, but also to be willing to seek input from other people in the company, to listen carefully and to continuously learn. So they don't necessarily always know what is uh, the best way forwards, but they might get that input if they are willing to listen to uh, people at the different levels in the company. Now, what this does is it creates an environment where the associates can feel respected and energised and to give freely of their creative abilities. It creates the right company culture within which the organisation can thrive and burnout um, or the possibility of burnout is reduced. It's also really helpful to encourage employees to report issues and ideas and for them to be confident that that will be met with a positive response. Then they've got a stake in the company, they feel valued, they feel there is, you know, there is a, a point to actually taking the trouble to let people know if something's not working well. It's probably really helpful to say to those of you uh, in the senior team, please be aware that people handle pressure differently. You, you rise to the senior team uh, for, by virtue of your attributes, your capacity for um, uh, resilience, uh, robustness and mental toughness. So you can take the decisions that need to be taken for the organisation and you can thrive on the pressure and the challenge that it brings. But people at different levels of the company 
won't necessarily have those same traits or to the same extent as yourself. They also have less control in their working day. Again, research has found that the top dog has less stress as measured by baseline cortisol. Cortisol being one of the stress hormones that the body produces. Even though they might be under hugely greater pressure um, or challenge, they don't get as stressed by it. And the other finding is that the less control you have, the more stressed you're likely to be. So again, people uh, in the senior team, they're more likely to have a huge amount of control over what they do and the way they do it. Whereas at the bottom um, of the organisation, the people doing the day-to-day work, they probably have a lot less control over what they do, how much they do, the way in which they do it. So it's easier for them to become stressed through that lack of control. The interesting thing is, it's the people in the middle, the middle managers, who often will report the most stress. And that's because they're trying to satisfy too many masters. They've got to look after their own well-being and their own performance but they're also trying to make sure that what's given down to them from the senior team actually is delivered and at the same time they're having to care for uh, their team their workforce who uh, and look after their well-being whilst at the same time trying to encourage them to rise to meeting the performance targets sometimes all of those different aspects are very difficult to square in one place. So why does leading with humility reduce burnout? As I said, it increases people's sense of control and of being valued and supported. This reduces their sense of stress. Interestingly, it reduces their resistance to new ideas and it can loosen their bias about what they think are better ways of working. So it makes it easier for the organisation to introduce new ideas and to change processes so that they work better. It reduces cortisol production in the individual. Again, that reduces stress. And it helps employees stay in the comfort and stretch range of the stress curve that we saw at the beginning. Very quick aside about cortisol, fantastic chemical that the body uses for a wide range of functions, most of them really good functions, useful. It's essential for us to perform during the day, but too much of it reduces our performance and our well-being. And as you can see from the diagram, it actually has a physical effect on the body, so it can weaken the immune system, it can affect our heart, high blood pressure, cause high blood sugar, which leads to diabetes, it can cause digestive issues, nerve problems, anxiety, depression, headaches, you name it, cortisol is not good to have uh, in too much uh, quantity in the body. So the uh, second uh, Shingo principle that I like to focus on is focusing on process. All outcomes are the consequence of a process, whether it's a formal process or an informal process where someone does A and then B and then they try C and that leads to D. That too is a process. And even good people cannot consistently produce ideal results if they're working with a poor process. And when something goes wrong, the issue is often rooted in an imperfect process rather than imperfect people. And uh, back when I used to work in industry, we used to invoice one of our customers each month for 25 of their remote sites. And what it meant is that the invoice had to pass through 25 pairs of hands before it could be signed off for payment. Clearly not a great process. So I got the invoice broken up into 25, you know, a single single invoice for each of the 25 sites. Uh, The invoices went through one pair of hands, passed through for payment, 
and um, the process worked quicker and much more effectively for both the customer and for my own employer. So ideal behaviour, when an error occurs, focus on improving the process that created the error. We may also need to see if the individual needs some training or support. But first, let's get the process right, because that uh, gives the structure within which everyone has better chance to create good results. Speaking of processes, it's really useful to create a safe process for workers to flag up concerns. So this is similar to leading with humility, creating a safe place for people to communicate upwards. The process needs to be safe so that they can do it without concern about any retribution or any to know that their feedback is taken seriously. Their, um, uh, their career won't be affected by actually saying something that uh, might be uh, not known and that they feel that the company is uh, working with them to find solutions or at least they have confidence the company will at least consider it strongly to have a look and see if there's any solutions to what they've reported. So why does focusing on process reduce burnout? Well burnout itself is a process. It's a gradual process and typically people need to be or will have been in the strain zone for something like six to 18 months before burnout develops, before they cross over into the burnout zone. So that means there's a huge window for intervention within the organisation to head it off. And usually once people become burnt out, it can take them at least two months and anything up to nine to 12 months to recover. And usually that's when they come and see someone like myself in order to work uh, specifically with it because working with burnout is a very unique thing. It's not the same as working with stress. You can easily get it wrong. And just thinking about processes within the organisation, we can certainly look at addressing the factors in individuals that uh, leads them to be more susceptible to burnout. That's really helpful. And um, some employers will bring in um, well-being services like counselling or mindfulness or yoga or a gym or something along those lines. That's all really, really helpful. It's providing a very supportive company culture by doing that. Be aware though that people can feel it's a bit stigmatising in order to admit to being burnt out so that's something where the company culture perhaps could be helpful in taking that stigma away. One caveat, if the organisation or the processes in the organisation aren't aligned to relieving burnout or if they have become a cause of burnout in themselves then obviously there's a limit to what you can do um, in working with individuals on burnout. You actually need to address, uh, address the organisational issues too. Clearly it's going to take a lot of time and uh, input in order to change an entire organisational culture. Fortunately the Shingo principles give a really good uh, grounding in what to do in order to help do that. But perhaps the quickest input um, is at team level because you can take some action quickly, you can do something informally, test out various things to see what actually is going to work better and deliver some quick wins to improve the process and the team well-being. So uh, I would say team level is definitely a place to look first and also what do individuals need. So I believe that's the end of my presentation. Yes, it is. So we're going to do some Q&A now, which I think Mary will handle. But if you uh, want some further information about Shingo within your organisation, then do feel free to contact Adrian. And anything about burnout coaching and consultancy, do feel free to approach myself. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jackie. That was excellent. 
We do have a few questions right now. Um, the first question we have has two parts to it. And I'll direct this towards you, Jackie. It says, um, in the future, do you see workplace burnout being treated as a health and safety hazard in the workplace in the same way as a physical safety hazard? The second part of that question is, is how would this change the way that organizations re- work to reduce that hazard? Brilliant question. I would say it's already treated as a hazard in the workplace, um, certainly in the UK. Um, I'm not sure about other other countries, uh, but in the UK, um, there's a whole directive about stress at work and the sort of steps that uh, companies are expected to go to in order to to uh, make sure that um, the employees aren't subjected to stress, which will then be harmful to their well-being. So I would say it's already there. There's already a body of uh, frameworks there. Uh, There's an act there uh, which covers it. And in fact, um, there's even been legal cases where companies have been prosecuted because an employee went off with stress and burnout, and then they returned to their job later and there was nothing changed about the job at all. And so the, the employer was basically put straight back into the very environment that caused the stress in the first place and caused them to go off with stress. So they were prosecuted for that because they had a duty of care. They could knowingly predict that by putting someone back into the same environment, the same result was going to happen. So this is where Shingo is going to be brilliant because it looks at actually uh, improving the company environment which is what's needed in that particular case. So our next question is, how can a senior leader proactively identify that a team member is going through a burnout before it starts to affect them and it's visibly clear? Again, that's really, really important. I would certainly be keeping an eye out to see if people start to come off the top of their work game because uh, it's... it's um, you know, they start to not be as energised, not be as energetic and small errors start to creep in, which is quite obvious. But you might consider using an assessment inventory. So MBI is one. I'm not sure Shingo has one that it can offer, uh, but there's a number out there which uh, you can take a reading of um, across the organisation in order to find out where burnout is happening. And I think also it's about conversations, you know, leading with humility, being open to having a conversation with people and just checking in. How's it going? You've also got some classic root cause analysis in there. Thank you. And I think the other thing is that um, if you've got some kind of coaching provision for the senior team, then that's also could be an early warning sign because that may be where they first start to recognise it or be alerted to it and then encouraged to do something about it. Wonderful. Great. I think that's all the questions we have. Lisa, Adrian, do you want to add anything before we say goodbye? No, I think that um, in, I think around about 2019, the WHO uh, recognised, the World Health Organisation recognised burnout as an occupational phenomenon. And uh, they're keen to point out that it is not a medical diagnosis, it is an experience. So I think it's really interesting to see, obviously, in around 2019, something else hoved into our uh, existence, COVID, which probably slowed the momentum around what the World Health Organization were doing around uh, the causes of, of burnout. But certainly we're seeing a lot more conversation around it, definitely, and uh, in terms of process and process improvement and continuous improvement, and definitely with our Shingo clients. 
Thank you so much for presenting today. And thanks to our listeners for joining in and for all of your great questions. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you're looking for additional educational opportunities or you would like to learn more about the Shingo model, please visit our website at shingo.org. Please remember to subscribe and to tune in to next time.